It's time for episode 134 of the Clockwise Podcast from Real AFM, recorded Wednesday, April 27th, 2016. This episode is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's in your ears for the next 1,800 seconds. I am Jason Snell, and across the internet for me is my co-host, Mr. Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. We're probably down to about 1740 now, I Cl- think, maybe. Clock keeps ticking, man. Clock keeps yeah, ticking. Clock don't wait for nobody. That's how it works. Uh, let's, <laughs> now, let's now tell you how the podcast <laughs> works by introducing uh, our two guests who join us to talk about four technology-related topics in less than 30 minutes. To my left, uh, she's the host of Less Than or Equal on the Relay FM network, and she makes frequent appearances on the Incomparable network as well. It's Aline Sims. Hi. Hello. And to my left, it's the host of many fine podcasts, including Reconcilable Differences right here on our own Relay FM network. Mr. Merlin Mann needs no other int- introduction, so I won't give him any other. Hi, Merlin. Fair enough. Hi, team. Here we go. We're going we're gonna to start. I'm going to ha- have the first topic, and then we're going to go around clockwise, because that's the name of the podcast, and discuss those four topics uh, over the course of the next half hour. I already explained how it works, but there it is again. Let me start with this topic. There is an emoji controversy. They need a symbol for that, I think. Members of the uh, Unicode Consortium are grumpy uh, about all the time that the Unicode Consortium is spent spending discussing which emoji should be in the spe- spec for emoji instead of important stuff like extra punctuation marks that are available in medieval Cornish, for example. BuzzFeed wrote an article about that that we'll put in the show notes. I'm just using that as an access point here. What's your uh, take on emoji? How is everybody using emoji? Uh, where do you use it? And, uh, you know, do you think that the, the priorities are all messed up over at the Unicode Consortium, or is emoji more important than medieval Cornish? That's a, not a loaded question at all. Aline, what do you think about emoji? Um, I like emoji. I... I, I don't like it as much as Carrie Fisher likes emoji, but I like emoji. Wow. Um, I use it to convey emotion, um, frequently sarcasm. Um, I, I'm kind of confused by this because as people who seem to want to protect language, language evolves. And I think emoji is another evolution in language. And, you know, emoticons did that for a while. And now we have like this more robust pictorial way to communicate, which is ancient, right? People have been communicating via picture for a very, very long time. Um so I, I guess part of what I'm wondering is why is there not room for both? Why can't some people work on ancient Cornish and some people work on the emoji, you know, and, and just do what you like to do? Because I see importance for both of them. Yeah, I, I do. I'm an emoji fan. I like emoji. Face screaming in fear, Jason. Face yeah. screaming in fear. Uh, as far as the controversy over it goes, yeah, I agree with Aline that like we should be able to handle both of these things. I mean, they are they are multiple ways of using language, and and it sort of brings to light that this there's always a huge controversy. I think whenever we talk about language evolving, people want to argue about what what's a word, what's not a word, how should we use our grammar? Like, especially as we've seen things like texting evolve, and people are saying, ah, texting ruins kids' grammar. They don't text in full words anymore, and nobody reads anymore. And of course, it turns out, well, we all interact with text so much more than we used to that in some ways you know 
know, people are better at these things than they than they used to be just because of the exposure to it. So I think emoji are a useful tool. I don't know, you know, not to belittle medieval Cornish punctuation, um, but I think that's probably a little more niche than than a lot of the emoji usage these days. So it makes sense that they want to concentrate their efforts where people seem to be using their system. Um, and yeah, I, I'm pro pro emoji. Pro emoji is that a thing? Sure, let's say mm. let's say yes. We'll check with the consortium. Yeah, I got mixed feelings about emoji. Um, I mean, it, it's fun. Like, I, I don't think I've ever used emoji without at least a hint of irony of like, here I am using emoji. <laughs> like, I don't, honestly, there's never a time when I've said, I'm sorry about the death of your father, sad face. There's like something to it that has an, an extra level. And I think that's one thing that distinguishes it from letters or even glyphs is letters and glyphs are meant to convey, you know, these kind of individual little units that we use to build bigger units. And yeah, so I'm not against the emoji part. I guess I'm most interested, I'm thinking that it would be very fun to be a semiotics student in the next five years because like what the smiley face emoji or what the screaming in, in fear face, what all of those mean five years from now, like you've seen, you've seen the think pieces on like what this emoji looks like on this Android system versus that. Yes. There's, there's a lot of room for misinterpretation of these things. They're not, they convey, they're meant to convey a big idea in a way that a letter or a glyph is not. So I, I think they are different, but you know, God bless Cornish. I, I, I want to see it stay alive and, and strong, and really, you know, not just be medieval. I'd like to see modern mm-hmm. Cornish. I'd like to see uh, all the Cornish uh, working in harmony. I, I see what everybody's saying. I like emoji. I I think I began using them entirely ironically, and uh, then to punctuate various things. I still use them ironically, but I also find find that they have a value. They do get something across. I don't love it when everybody's sentences like Carrie Fisher on Twitter becomes a rebus that I have to solve in order to understand <laughs> what is going on. But at the same time, like in Slack, they have the emoji reactions that are pretty funny, and they they actually do convey something. But they're also perhaps used a little bit ironically. I so I I think there are lots of cases where uh, I, I just kind of embrace them. I think that they are a, another way to communicate. And in some ways, when you're running around on a on a on a, a smartphone, that's all you've got, and it's you're not going to be able to type a long uh, a long thing. Or you're on some place like Twitter where you've got a very limited number of characters. Being able to get something across uh, with a symbol. Uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Ultimately, I'm glad we live in a world with emoji, as long as I don't have to solve those rebus puzzles from Carrie Fisher. All right, that's one topic down. Aline, what do you have for us? All right, well, I'm super excited because Christmas for Apple nerds is like six and a half weeks away. Um, And it is tradition during this time that podcasters will produce their offering to their listeners, whimsical, geeky t-shirts at affordable prices, except for ATP last year, you know, with with the 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 fancy shirt but as someone with a really really full t-shirt drawer and a ton of people I want to support I'm asking you what is your podcast memorabilia buying strategy and um, also as a podcaster who is um, thinking about producing one of these said shirts for in time for WWDC, how do you feel about selling your wares and seeing them out in the wild? Uh, I feel a little guilty, Eileen, because I saw your topic in the spreadsheet earlier and I thought, oh man, we should really make a uh, t-shirt for the other tech podcast I do, The Rebound. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I guess thanks, but maybe yeah, also welcome. not good. Maybe also not good because like you, I have way too many t-shirts, um, especially 
Kelly from podcast recently. And so, well, I agree with you. I like supporting um, my friends who do podcasts, and I own many, many podcast shirts that I really enjoy. Um, I'm starting to think that maybe I have too many t-shirts, and I'm not really sure what to do about that. Someone suggested rotating them in and out, which is good. Um, so it, it is a nice way to sh- to support a show, and it is really it is really nice and rewarding as a podcaster to see people wearing your shirt in the in public, which I'm not, still not sure I've ever actually seen, but I hear it's nice. Um, and so I, you know, I'm a fan of that. I wonder, may, maybe the t-shirt train has peaked though, and we've hit peak, you know, having hit peak t-shirt, maybe we need to move on to something else. Uh, I don't, a podcast pocket squares, podcast uh, monocles. I don't know. I don't know where we go from here and what the right answer is, but perhaps there are other ways to show our love of podcasts rather than simply wearing them emblazoned upon our apparel. I have uh, complicated feelings about it because as a massive podcast fan, I have no compunction about buying shirts. I own Mini Daring Fireball shirts. Uh, I just ordered my third incomparable shirt, uh, the, of course, the Skeletor uh, Recursive Edition. Uh, so, I mean, on the one hand, I love having them and I will proudly wear it. I'm wearing a shirt from my own podcast right now because it's really cold out. I'm wearing a hoodie. Um, but on the other hand, as somebody who makes this stuff, I do worry about the t-shirt fatigue thing and the, the kind of the overhead and the incredibly complex dance of needing to sell cloth to people to, to make money feels weird. But at the same time, I'm also, I, I guess I'm really interested in where podcasts are going as a thing to make money with. So I'm very open to those things. I'm willing to support people in different ways, but I don't know. Uh, who knows how long the models, I mean, the model seems to be changing every few months. You know, how long is the ad thing going to be around? Is the t-shirt, isn't Patreon going to be the way to go? I don't know. So as, even as much as I love buying them for myself, I still have mixed feelings about saying like, you know, go buy my thing. I never view the t-shirts thing as like a money-making scheme. It generates, it, you know, it generates a little bit of money. That's true. Uh, and, and, and it can be nice, but it's not, nobody is going to make a living off of the podcast t-shirts like it, it's like a, a almost like a little tip jar i would actually say you know for me i think people should buy the shirts because they want to wear the shirts because they're fun uh one of the reasons that i do the shirts that, that that i do is because i want to wear them but it's not a business strategy of any kind for me uh it's just a fun a fun thing and i think that if people feel like you know that the way the best way to support a podcast is by buying their t-shirt there are probably better ways uh, or at least those podcasts should be looking at uh finding better ways to <laughs> supported because you know a lot of that money goes to shipping and to the people who make the t-shirts and not to the people who make the podcast there, there's a it's a small percentage that the podcast people mm-hmm. get i have a lot of shirts too um i rotate them in and out and i have a place out in my uh, out of my garage in a cabinet where i keep some of them so they're they're always kind of like coming in and out and, and every like six months or so i'm like oh yeah this shirt and i'll bring them in and i'll put i'll put some other ones out and that and then that also is useful because i'll look at that pile later and half of them i'll be like forget it I don't, I don't ever need to wear that again. So what I'm saying is uh, t-shirts are fun. Um, I would take them at that. Like if you want to wear them, then, then you can buy them. But I, I, I wouldn't like, please no forced March of t-shirts. I was like, well, I don't want to wear t-shirts, but I guess I need to support. No, if you don't want to wear it, don't buy it. Yeah. I, um, I, I might have to try the shirt rotation idea. I, you know, I, I'm currently buying, I, I pre-ordered a Skeletor shirt. I have a material podcast shirt. I have a Daring Fireball shirt. Like I have a shirt with Merlin's face on it. Like I have, <laughs> I have so many shirts. Thank um, you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that's a really, really great strategy is, is to rotate because I do, I do want to give people money and I do want to show support and I do, you know, it is a, a, a kind of a, in some cases, depending upon the shirt, a really subtle way to kind 
trying to declare my geekhood. You know, I can wear a Harry Potter shirt and people will give me like the secret nod. But but I wear a Daring Fireball shirt. And unless I go to an Apple store or something, people don't know what that means. And so it's kind of like my, um, I don't know, letting my freak flag fly or something. Um, so I, I enjoy it a lot. And, you know, um, yeah, for me, I, I want to do a less than or equal shirt because um, because I want one and not because it's, you know, I'm going to be rolling in money because of it. Um, it's just, you know, I, I've never had my logo on a shirt. So I think that that's, that's a cool thing to do. Um, and I don't know, I think about other things too, like, um, backpacks or I have a lot of mugs, but, um, we had an upgrade hoodie, uh, specifically cause I wanted to do something that wasn't a shirt. <laughs> Yeah. We did a shirt too, yeah. but we did a hoodie because it's like, here's something different. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that that might be something worth discussing um, is what are some other ways that we can do this and, and let people show support and have have cool things and and show the world that they're nerdy and, um, you know, maybe maybe not have it be on a shirt. I don't know. Right. I think uh, I think that was a really good topic. I wanted to address one thing that Merlin said. He was saying, you know, how long is this uh, ad thing going to last? Uh, and I would like to tell you, this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by <laughs> IT Pro TV. Do you have a career plan set in motion? Whether you're looking to start a career in IT or already working in the field, certifications and credentials are key to getting a job and a promotion. Uh, IT Pro TV's mission is education through engagement. They've got up-to-date, high-quality video content and access to the most important tools you need for technology certification. More than a thousand hours of content. They're adding more. Uh, 50 hours every week to their library. You can watch them stream live, which uh, is a pretty cool idea. And then, of course, they record them and produce them and make them available on demand worldwide on pretty much any device you can think of, whether it's a Chromecast or a Roku, a PC or an iOS or Android device. And uh, now, actually, Amazon Fire TV and the fourth generation Apple TV, too. They've got plenty of different topics, system center configuration management, Apple certified support professionals, uh, Amazon Web Services, Google Groups for Business, a whole lot more, even ethical hacking, security, and cryptography. All courses are transcribed so you can jump to the part that you want to see if you want to learn a very specific thing or you can just watch them from start to finish. Sit down with your uh, TV tray and watch and learn uh, if you have a TV tray. IT Pro TV also includes 100 step-by-step virtual machine labs and transcender practice exams and it's all available for one low monthly subscription price and there's a no hassle cancellation policy so if you're studying with a book or enrolled in a certification or technical degree program it can be a fantastic supplement so you can learn at your own pace and track your progress. And it's much cheaper than going to a boot camp. Corporate and group pricing is also available. They have lots of great uh, large clients, including Harvard, MIT, Stanford, and most importantly, UC San Diego, where I went to college. Check it out, itpro.tv slash clockwise to boost your brain with the most popular IT certifications. Premium subscriptions, normally uh, $57 a month or $570 a year. But if you can try it free for seven days when you sign up with the code clockwise30 to check out their courses, live stream, and more, and you'll get 30% off for the lifetime of your account. So that means it'll be f- less than $40 a month or $3.99 for the entire year. So itpro.tv slash clockwise. Use the code clockwise30 and try it free for seven days plus 30% off forever. Thank you to IT Pro TV for sponsoring this episode of Clockwise. And with that topic completed, uh, I hope that answers your question about sponsorships, Merlin. Uh, let's move on to Dan's topic. So I wanted to look at a sort of throwaway line from yesterday's financial results for Apple, in which Tim Cook said that Apple was very happy with the performance of their first subscription service, that being Apple Music. And setting aside whether or not that's truly their first subscription service, I think it heavily implies 
there are future subscription services to come. And of course, Apple has heavily been rumored at looking into TV and movie sort of Netflix-y type or Hulu type subscription services. My question for you guys is, given what they've done with Apple Music over the past year or so, what are the important lessons to take away or what would you take away from Apple Music? What could be learned to improve uh, a TV or movie offering? Merlin, what do you think? I suspect that the most they would have to learn is by looking at the other services like Netflix and Hulu, what they do well, what they don't. Um, in terms of learning from Apple Music, um, first thing is you know make the experience as good as the material. The app, the, the stuff that's available on Apple Music is terrific. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at how much is there. Using it is not very fun. The apps can be very difficult. You know, unless there's no need to get into a whole snarky thing here. But you know, iTunes is not a joy to use these days. Even on the iPad, it's kind of a pain. It's what is the difference between uh, iCloud Library versus you know iTunes Match? All those things. It's deeply confusing. So number one is make the experience through the apps and the service uh, as good as the material, and then just really remember why people want to be there. You know, don't, you know, in the case of things like Hulu, that's so clearly owned by these stakeholders with a certain thing in mind for Apple to make the kind of service that only Apple can do. Uh, it has to be very focused on the kind of things that their users want. And I, I don't have an answer to what that is, but I hope that they do and that they can execute on it very well. Um, using the Apple TV can be a real pain in the butt. It's hard to channel surf on the Apple TV, even if you've got, you know, an over the air like translator. So anyhow, uh, yeah, make it simple and remember why people are there. Make the experience great. I uh, since you phrased this as sort of what Apple can learn from from Apple Music, I wanted to I wanted to mention uh, taking it that direction. Uh, I think one of the things they can learn is about launching it and about not messing up their existing features. I mean, I I, I still I still rent movies from iTunes a lot, right? So one of the things that I think they need to learn from Apple Music is don't get if you do a video subscription service, don't get in the way of people who don't want to use it or who don't want to use it right now. Because I think that's one of the problems with Apple Music is that it's a little bit too uh, standing in front of the rest of your music library. Like, well, I know you've got music, but you really want to use Apple Music, right? Like, no, actually, I don't. I want, And, and so similarly, I want to rent a movie. Uh, please let me do that. I would say to be a little bit snarky, I think one of the things they could learn from Apple Music is that um, don't produce your own material. Like Apple isn't out there commissioning music they they do have exclusives on apple music but they're not um you know i think one of the problems with apple doing a video service is are they going to become netflix are they going to spend a billion dollars to uh commission uh apple exclusive tv shows and what do those look like and i hate exclusives i realize that that exclusives are what drive subscriptions that you have to watch this show and it's only available on that network but uh it frustrates me too that uh that those exclusives are out there but i can see why they want to do it apple seemed to be backing off a little bit on their talk about service revenue uh in the call as well but they did say that thing about first subscription services uh and uh, you know, I, what I would so I, in the end, I would say maybe what I'd like to see is a bundle, like a really smart set of bundles. Because right now there are a lot of eight or ten dollar monthly subscription services out there. Turner announced one uh, with TCM plus Criterion Collection this week, which is sounds like a great deal, but it's yet another ten dollar a month or eight dollar a month subscription service. Maybe Apple could make a name by creating a little package for streamers, like a, a really nice package of different services for uh, a monthly fee instead of uh, and aggregate stuff together instead of making yet another service on top of it i don't know yeah i i used apple music i did the free three months and then you know we we canceled because it was like merlin said um 
the instances in which I want to use that are typically on iOS when I'm in the car. Um, the interface was confusing. The app is confusing. Um, I'm driving. I don't have time to, to mess around with it. Um, so it just wasn't fitting my needs. Um, one of the things that, that I see complaints about still are like kind of algorithmically people are getting recommendations that are way, way, way off base. And so people, um, pe- I'm seeing people who are like, I tried Apple Music. Um, it's not, you know, they're not recommending good songs to me. So I'm going to go back to Spotify or whatever. Um, so I feel like um, they have some some algorithmic backend stuff that they need to, to maybe work on so that they can make show recommendations. And then I, I don't know, I feel like a lot of my complaints and things that, that they need to improve are not ap- actually lessons from Apple Music. It's things, again, like Merlin said, the Apple TV interface. Um, there are times... You, you, 10 season show try finding an episode in season nine like oh, it's God. it's so painful um so those are the kind of the things that i i'd like to see first um and then i don't know <laughs> i don't know what they can learn from apple music to be honest well uh, yeah that's a good question i think merlin was right in saying so remember why people are here in the first place i think one of the troubles that apple's always had with selling movies and tv content is they don't seem to they've long talked about how enthusiastic they are about music and how music is part of apple's dna they never talk about that for movies and television shows and i get the feeling not that people there don't watch movies and television shows but they don't really seem to think through like you're just saying about like finding multi-season shows and, and finding a particular episode they don't don't really seem to think through how exactly people watch TV these days, especially the kind of people that are their market. And so for me, what I think they can sort of learn from Apple Music is tailoring the product to fit kind of what the medium is. I mean, music and TV are obviously very, very different in terms of how we consume them. Uh, And so making sure that the TV service they're offering is not merely a mirror to Apple Music in the same way that uh, buying movie and TV uh, shows on iTunes is much, you know, pretty close to buying music and albums on there. It's it's not it's not quite uh, the same experience. So. I think they really need to focus in on that, and, and I'm, I'm excited about the prospect of it, even with all the challenges that are there, because I don't think anybody's quite cracked this yet. Um, and Apple has a history of, of often doing a good job when other people haven't quite figured out exactly the right way to do something. So uh, I'm interested in seeing a future subscription service, and I hope that their experiences at Apple Music will lead them into thinking a little more critically about that. So thank you all for your input on that topic. I think our last topic comes from Merlin. I have, um, I was a huge fan of the Amazon Fire TV uh, during the time when we were kind of waiting to see what would happen with the Apple TV. The Apple TV came, four, Generation 4 came out. I like it well enough. I hadn't used my Fire TV in a while. And then I heard this thing that Fire TV had added uh, some really cool uh, Alexa and Echo integration. So it would accept the commands and basically interact you know, with that whole data set that's on your Echoes and Alexas. And I tried it. I flipped it on and I said things like, what's the capital of California? What's the weather tomorrow? You could add stuff to a to-do list. Um, I, I, I guess I'm just, I, I was really blown away by it. My, my question is, I don't know, I find myself using voice for more and more stuff and wanting voice for more and more stuff. So the question to the team is, what's your, what did you have a near-term, not, not like long-term integration, do you have a near-term wish list involving voice integration where you wish devices would work better together in other words is there more stuff where you'd like to say something here and have something happen over there 
what do you want to see in the next year or two with that? In the short term, I'd say I, I want more personalization. I want more customization. I really like the Amazon Echo, but I would like it to do more and I would like to be able to tell it how to do things. And that's one of my one of my challenges is they, they bury a whole bunch of plugins under the under the trigger concept, which uh, goes to if this, then that, which is OK, except if this and that isn't really that sophisticated, um, it, it doesn't do conditionals. It's a single kind of it, it, this happens and then I react. Uh, and I, so I wish I wish that I, I could build some of my own things in that said, if I say this, I want you to do this. Um, even with mm-hmm. the even with the Harmony Hub, I, I would love for for it to be able to say, you know, turn on the Giants game and have it not only turn on the TV, but trigger a particular channel. And uh, it doesn't it can't do that. It can turn it on and off. And that's all that it can do right now. So I, I, I'd say I just want more flexibility and I'd like some more con- scriptability. I'd like to be able to say basically like if I tell you this, why don't you go get some information and relay it back to me? And it doesn't do a none of these services do a really great job of doing that right now, nor do they do a great job of me being able to fire something off off of the web and have it result in the lady in the canister uh, saying something to me because it won't work that direction. I can't have the web thing trigger something that says, oh, did you know the Giants game is about to start? It doesn't work like that. So I'd say that that's another thing on my wish list. You know, I, I would love to be able to, to have something reliably like, hey, I want to watch the Apple TV, turn all of these doodads on, the TV, the receiver, the Apple TV, like all of that. And the same for the PS3, the same for the Wii U, you know, like all of those things just just quick and easy and reliably turn on. I mean, my needs are pretty simple. I use the Echo to turn my lights on and off. It does that pretty reliably. Um, what I find myself wanting is actually a way to... Um, so I stopped wearing my Apple Watch. I'm one of those those people because um, my my hand was actually going numb when I wore the watch. Um, so I stopped wearing it. Um, but I find myself wanting to set reminders that go to my shared shared iCloud reminders list that Justin and I share. So, you know, add blah, blah, blah to my shopping list. And that's what I use my watch for. I'm finding more than anything else. And I wish that there was a way that that the Echo or some kind of um, creepy listening thing could hear what I'm saying and add things to my shopping list when, you know, I'm in the kitchen covered in eggs or whatever. Um, but I don't have a lot of a lot of desires. I'm 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 a simple person, kind of. Oh, I'm I'm going to just be the polar opposite here, just to make it interesting. Which is, I want I want all the things. <laughs> I have a Harmony Hub. I love using it to turn my TV on, especially like uh, basically pl- picking what device I want to use at the time without having to mess around with a remote. But then I get into this situation of, well, okay, I, have to, I can turn it on or off. I can't really do anything else with it, despite the fact that many of these devices, such as the Fire TV or the Apple TV, have their own voice interfaces. So I feel like what I kind of want is a bridge that lets me sort of relay commands from something that is sort of mm-hmm. ubiquitous and permeable, the Echo, and have it go to Siri on the Apple TV so I can tell my my Echo to like pull up this show that I was just watching or queue up Hulu or whatever, and that my Apple TV will do that. Um, and so I don't know whether that means implementing some sort of like API system. You know, like Jason's saying, a lot of this stuff is very simple right now when it comes to stuff like uh, if this, then that, or um, some of the APIs that have been already offered or, you know, vice versa. You can't have the Echo say things aloud when you when it's it wants to do things. Um, so some more complexity in this. Now that people are actually using it, it's time to look at like taking this to the next level. How can we integrate these things and make them work better together? Um, instead of having six different robots I can talk to, it'd be great if there was one single interface that would then communicate with those behind the scenes. So 
I don't know how likely that is to happen. Uh, there's not a huge incentive for all those different companies to be working together. Um, but it, as a consumer, that would make my life way better. And, um, you know, certainly some other smart ways to interact with uh, dumb equipment. I, I love my robot tea maker, but it would be really cool if I could use my voice to tell it to start making me some tea rather than going and having to fill it up like a like an animal. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you all. Uh, you know, the, the app that changed everything for me on the Mac of maybe 10 years ago was Quicksilver. Uh, and there's never been an app quite like Quicksilver for getting into pretty much every conceivable nook and cranny of your Mac. So given that my long-term desire is something like Quicksilver for two reasons. Number one, it can get to anything. And number two, it gets there by the way that I want it to get there. So Quicksilver remembers when you type these letters, do this thing, regardless of whether it matches anything. Given that that's my long-term vision, my short-term vision is anything that gets us closer to that. Anything that gets us to where, yeah, things like conditionals would be great. But yeah, I, I guess I, I really, I, I'm seeing the use of this to where I feel like turn my lights on and off is going to seem really quaint in five years that i think there's going to be much more complex stuff so it's going to be fun to watch thanks thanks for the answers we have just enough time for a bonus topic i think so let me give it to you now it is ridiculous uh superman v batman of course uh, dawn of justice was a movie uh the captain america civil war where superheroes fight each other is also a movie i say enough negativity i want you all to pick two su- superheroes who should be best friends aline jessica jones and batman because um (laughs) batman is damaged jessica jones is damaged but batman has kind of learned um through much trial and error how to periodize his outbursts um and i feel like jessica jones could kind of learn from him a little bit how to how to contain her anger maybe not be an alcoholic and um and get her aggression out in a um a safe uh safe space with a bunch of bad guys nearby um i'm gonna say moon knight because i have to i'm contractually obligated and squirrel girl because <laughs> uh, oh, i just want to i want to yes. see what happens when moon knight and squirrel girl team up that that's the crossover i want to read but is squirrel girl really there or is he imagining it <laughs> exactly. i don't know man i think i think marvel needs to get into the head-to-head business i want to see something ugly and weird and dark it's a my pitch is for a movie called where'd you go and it's a giant marvel battle of the teleporters Nightcrawler, Cloak, Blink, Manifold, and Lockjaw go head-to-head but have trouble finding each other to actually fight. (laughs) Where'd you go? Uh, So my answer is uh, Moon Knight as well because I had to. And uh, and I'm going to go with – I was going to say Batman because they could like wear each other's clothes. But I'm going to say Arrow – uh, the Green Arrow, uh, because I think that uh, Oliver Queen could use another uh, another uh, grumpy guy to uh, pal around with up on the rooftops in the in the dark, and then also show him that uh, lighter uh, you can wear white in the summertime, and it, it breathes the fabric mm. really breathes well. All right, I think we've reached the end. Aline Sims, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And Merlin Man, always a pleasure. Come back soon. Anytime. Thanks. <laughs> Another podcast in the can. How many seconds do we have left? Uh, just enough time for me to say. We'll see you next week. Until then, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Three, two, one.